Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. In the talk, we're going to be in the Old Testament, which is kind of the first half of the Bible. It's the, it's the story before Jesus comes to earth. And we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings 19, which is super easy to find. Probably not. But it's there. It's about a third or a quarter of the way through a paper Bible. You can use your phone if you want to get there. 1 Kings 19. Opening thought is really easy. I don't think it'll take any time at all for all of us to get on board with it. Here's a simple image. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Get it? Like you've probably heard something like that. If you want to get somewhere or you got to get started. This applies to like our physical life. You want to lose some weight? Well, start doing something today. If you want to, you know, get buff, pick up something today and try to lift it. If you want to start snow skiing today, great day to snart. To, to snart. It's, a, it's a great day to snart snow skiing. So get some skis and go out today, right? Um, if you have a financial goal or dream, you know, get a job. <laughs> Stand for closing prayer. That was a really good... <laughs> Some people are like, holy cow, never thought of that. Okay, you know, get a job or, or put in for a promotion or make it right this step. Things. Here's one verse that I think applies. Proverbs 28, 19 says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies, I might loosely paraphrase that, those who sit around and daydream, right, will have their fill of poverty. I want to emphasize in this, if you can get started as quickly as possible, that will help get you to the place you want to be. Image on the screen is of uh, well-known golfer Tiger Woods. He started swinging a golf club before the age of two and was playing rounds of golf on the golf course by age three. It probably has something to do with his skill set as he grew up. This absolutely applies to our spiritual lives. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for God says, he, God says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. In James chapter 4, I may be botching the interpretation of this a little bit, but it says, now, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow. We will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. I'm paraphrasing that, you know. So, hey, so we're talking. We're just talking about something we may do sometime. Three verses later, it says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So hold those thoughts. We are in the, I think, third week of this series called Resolve, starting the year off right. 
And uh, today we're going to dig into getting some things done this year. And I want to pause for just a moment. My hope is that we will apply this to the most important things in our lives. So if you've not done this, I know many of us have, if you've not considered prioritizing, like what are the most important things? And since, hey, we're in church, how about what are the things that God is asking me to do that will make this day much richer for us if we apply it to like the really, 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 really important things. Does that make sense? In our life, have you ever considered a calling in your life? Have you ever asked God about a calling? Not just your own perspective, but God, what have you called me to do? My guess is if you, get, if you start to follow God, get close to God, he'll help clarify what are the most important things. I was thinking of different seasons in my life, like when our children were younger, man, that was a calling for us. I, we, we were pretty darn serious about, we want our kids to grow up and, and like know about God and be nice and like adult at some point. Again, somebody's going, oh, never thought of that. But... Right, we were part of our calling. We, we tried to raise our kids to, so that we could raise, see, this is, this is not about parenting. This is not in my notes. But like, you raise them to release them was a concept that we had early on. And so that took diligence, and it was a God calling for us. Do you have some things like that? This talk today will help you get those kinds of things accomplished I think. Um, in our text, God has a call on a young man's life, younger man's life. God's call on his life is to be a prophet. Um, and he's actually going to get there, which is cool. And he's going to be a great prophet. Eventually, he's going to be like one of those Bible guys that does the miraculous things. He's going to part rivers and do miracles of multiplication. He's At one point, he's going to raise someone from the dead. So he's really going to get there as a prophet. But on this day, he's just getting started. Today, he's a farmer with a call in his life to become. He doesn't know it yet, to become a prophet. So in this scene... The prophet Elijah, who's the guy who's been a prophet for a long time, is getting older and basically kind of getting ready to retire. And God has told Elijah, I want you to go and anoint Elisha so that you can raise him up to be the next prophet. You got it? So it's the passing of the torch kind of a deal. Chapter 19, 1 Kings, verse 19 so Elijah, that's the older prophet guy, well-established. Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Pause just so we can picture it. Imagine, you know, a little house on the prairie-ish, old thing, where the... Uh, Elisha apparently is a, is a pretty bigger farmer, doesn't have just one, have one set of cows, but has 12, probably some either servants or farm hands, and they're probably in a row, you know, one plow, that's the plowing sound, I don't know, 
right? So they're just doing this. It's time to plant or whatever. <laughs> That's what they do. That's just they get, you get behind the cow and then you go, brr, brr, and then it. Forget it. Change that for next service. Um, okay, so this is happening. Brr, it's happening. And it's driving. The, and then Elijah, he's the established prophet. He went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Apparently, this is some kind of a spiritual invitation to be like Elijah. It's, so if you need something in present day to compare it to, it might be like a fireman who has a special fire coat would walk up to a young man and he would, put, he would take off his coat and then he would put it on the young guy and basically signifying, you want to grow up and be like me? That's the kind of moment it was. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant, but didn't just become his servant, eventually became his replacement and became an amazing prophet. So the title of the talk is Resolve Pursuing Our God-Given Calling, and I want to look at two critical decisions or steps Elisha makes in this text that if we do them, we'll get to where God wants us to be. Let's pray. God, a bunch of us are trying to do this. Some of us are doing pretty well. Some of us might get some really fresh ideas today. Uh, mostly what we need is you to talk to us, challenge us, encourage us, so we can get to where you want us to be. So I pray you'd make this these ideas, which I think are from you, I'm sure they're from, I'm real sure they're from you. Help make them stick. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas, critical decisions that we can make to get to our calling, our God-given calling. The first one is this, developing our God-given calling takes recognizing a, what we're going to call is a defining moment, a defining moment. Going to look at moments, experiences that happen that God have ordained to move us forward. In the text, Elisha is plowing, and it's in verse 19 where it says, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This is a defining moment. I already noted that this apparently is an invitation to come and be like me, Elijah is saying to Elisha. It's worth, no, it's worth noting that this is unique to Elisha. Elijah is not just a cloak-throwing dude that every day he just wanders around and 
picks out people and, you know, cloaks them. Right? So he's not going to go through the whole town and go, hey, cloak you. <laughs> or what? That's not, right? It goes without. So there's no record. This is probably something he only did one time. His entire prophetic thing was. So the great part about this is Elisha sees this as a special, personal, impersonal, important moment and doesn't just blow past it. Blowing past God moments happens. Have you ever done it? I have. I remember the first time I ever felt an urging to, I didn't understand the urging at the time, but to become a Christian. I was 20 years old. So many of you have heard my story before. You'll hear it again. Come back next week. But, I, you know, like I was sitting in a church. I was, I was not paying attention to the preacher, just like some of you are doing right now. I was sitting over here. I didn't care much about what was going on, but my girlfriend went to church, and so I thought, oh, I'll go with you. Maybe we can hold hands during church. So anyway, sitting over here, pastor preached a message. I have no idea what he said, but I know at the end he did something like, uh, he did an altar call, basically, I'm assuming, said something like, so you need to get right with God, or you need to become a Christian, or something. And when he did that, I was sitting just over here, and my heart began to pound. I didn't know why. I remember looking down at my cream-colored sweater, and I could see my chest going boom, 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 boom. And it was beyond a doubt I knew that I was supposed to do something. I knew, as best I understood, like God was challenging me to go up front. It was a God moment for me. And you know what I did? I suppressed it. I said, I'm not going up there. And then I went on with my life. I couldn't wait to be done so that I could just keep doing the same thing I had been doing for 20 years. Does that make sense? I'm like, don't interrupt my life, whoever you are. And I did that. Now, by God's grace, a couple weeks later, the same thing happened. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I didn't ignore it then. It happens. We do it. We see it at times around the church. Sometimes we can observe this in other people's lives. You will know them, and you will know, like, God did something amazing last Thursday, but then your friend just kind of kept doing the same. Is this relating at all? You know how we can do this? Here's a couple cautionary scriptures. In Luke 8, 5, it says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. The farmer represents God. And as he was scattering the seed... What's a seed? A seed, God's scattering something that he wants to see change or growth in someone's life. But some of the seed fell on the path. And you know what happens with the path? Nothing. Doesn't penetrate. The path stays the path. The seed doesn't penetrate. It doesn't grow. It just stays the same. And then eventually it just gets snatched away. There's an opportunity from God, but there's no response. Proverbs 26, 11 May not have talked about this in church very often. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Just text your friends. We're talking about dog puke in church. It's great. So here's the idea. How many of you ever seen a dog? Come on, you guys. Yes, okay, dog thing. You have a puppy. Yeah, all that. Has this happened? Yes, it's happened. You've seen dogs do this. 
this dog, right, has, has done something he shouldn't have done in the first place. Probably shouldn't have eaten that. It was not a smart move. And so their body's reacting to whatever this dumb thing they did already right on your, right, right in your living room. Ooh, ooh, and you can see it. And you're like, oh, no. And blah, there it is. And you think that's gross. Just wait for it. Because little Sparky's going to go, let's try it again. Eats it up, right? This happens. Anybody says the Bible is not relevant. They are so wrong. This is real life. And then the dog, right, goes, I don't know, it wasn't, great. It wasn't good the first time, it wasn't great, probably wasn't healthy the first time. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we'll just eat it again. Now, this, by the way, this is not just about dogs. This is about us, if we're not really careful. We go through something, we do something stupid, we suffer for it, and we get up the next day, and I don't know, I think I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And there really is no difference. Probably there is a difference, because it's way more important in our life. Because sometimes we do stuff again and again and again, and it hurts every time. It hurts other people every time. We get the same results. So the great thing about Elisha, although it's maybe a little disconnect, like is the dog vomit thing, whatever. But the great thing about Elisha is he's not quickly going back to his, what happened and what he was doing before he has this encounter with God. Here's what God is trying to accomplish here. Here's a fill in the blank. God is interrupting Elisha's normal life in hopes of inserting spiritual greatness. He's interrupting Elisha's normal life in hopes of inserting spiritual greatness. So to bring this into the room, to challenge us or remind us, here it is, am I really responding or acknowledging God moments in my life. That will help us get to our calling. When we acknowledge this is a special moment for me from God. Some examples from my life talking to a, a sister in Christ, Kim Griffey. And this was when my wife and I, our children were little, and we saw the Griffeys, their family. They had seven kids, and they were amazing kids. Like, and so when they would talk about kid stuff, we would go, can we listen? Because they were successful. And she was sharing a story about one of her children that was a strong-willed child and how they parented her to get her through that and toward God. And I remember thinking as I was listening, this must have been a good spiritual day for me because I'm like, this is from God. Can I, God, will you help me pay attention to this and make adjustments in my life? Because it was a moment that God was orchestrating so that I could get information so that I could end up doing better at what God was calling me to do. Does that make sense?
20 years ago, I read a book that challenged me and inspired me about debt-free living. A change changed my life. Soon after I became a Christian, I was with a spiritual father of mine named, his name is Mark Beeson. Some of you might know he was uh, the lead pastor at Granger Community Church for years. This was back when we both lived in Fort Wayne. I had just become a Christian. I was just young and dumb, just even dumber than now, just young and dumb. And God blessed that man, and we were having lunch at Jimmy's Pizza Inn. Pizza came. Mark Beeson, my spiritual, kind of spiritual father, he looked across and he said, you pray for the meal before we eat. Whoa. Like out loud? Like, because my entire life did not include praying out. And so, but you know what? That was a defining moment for me. Well, I trust that this guy is probably, that God's using this man to take me to a place that eventually I need to be, which was made an out loud prayer. And so I remember stumbling through a prayer, scared to death, sweating, like, you know, you know, like, oh, I'm going to die. And, but it's, and I probably prayed some average prayer that began my journey forward so that I could become a person who knew how to pray. Those are the kind of things we should capitalize on. I want to dig just a little more because of a couple of opportunities here at the church. If God has prompted you in the past or prompts you today to explore getting baptized, and he's prompted you three times already, you got a decision to make. Get her done. Because there's something on the other side of that step. If this last week, you know, that one person did that drive-by thing in your life, and so you flipped them off again, like you're the flipper-offer person. You flip off people, and then after you did it, then God kind of showed up in your car and said, will you quit that? And you're like, la, 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 la. And you just keep being the flipper. Stop. When God is taking the time out of running the universe to talk to us, those are God moments, how about you decide next time you're not going to blow that off, but you're going to say, yes, Lord, I hear you, and, and, and help me, Lord, because I'm not going to be a flipper-offer anymore. Some people are like, I don't like this church. <laughs> Let's just talk about things that are not relevant to us. Right? Or whatever it is. You want to be a prayer warrior. and It's just like these it's defining moments in our lives. So, recognize the defining moment. Number two, engage in radical adjustments. Radical adjustments. This is where we kind of touched on this already, where you do something in response to this God moment. I'll tell you a story, and then we'll get to the text. Radical adjustments. Bobby. Bobby came to our church for quite a long time. He became a Christian at our church. Long story short, at one point, he had been a smoker his whole, like, he was one of those guys that uh, had smoked a long, long time. He was a riverboat captain for a season of his life. Doesn't that help you picture him? Like, who's a riverboat captain? Well, Bobby was. Anyway, at the end of a church service, he had, I think, probably wanted to quit smoking or maybe God was prompting him to. It wasn't a quit smoking altar call. I never had one of those. But he got up from his back chair, walked forward, pulled out his pack of cigarettes, threw them to the ground, stomped on them, 
and looked up at a prayer team person and said, will you take care of those for me? <laughs> and, he, and he walked away. I remember having coffee with him a few weeks later, and he said, I quit smoking. Really? And he said, you know what I did? I'm like, what'd you do? And well, it was two weeks ago, and I went up and I threw it. Can I tell you, and as best I know, uh, I don't think he's ever smoked again. And I would argue part of how he got to where God wanted him to be with that, or he wanted to be with that, was because he did something just a little bit intentional, radical, to change the momentum of his life. Does that make sense? So, let's get back to the text. You talk about radical. In verse 21, Elisha goes back. He took his yoke of oxen. Picture it. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, burning the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. Put yourself into that scene. Especially if you're the, peop if you're the person, you're just sipping lemonade and you're watching all this happen because you don't have anything else to do. Right? It's you know, a long time ago. Let's go watch the guys plow. Okay, so they're, like you're out there and you see, oh wait, this other guy comes up to Elisha, puts the coat around him, they talk, blah, 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 okay, blah, blah. Guy starts to walk away, they talk a little more. Elisha, you picture, turns around, walks back to his cows, pulls out a knife, Mom. <laughs> Come on. Can you, if you're sitting there drinking your tea, what just happened? And then you watch him break up, cut up his plowing equipment, build a fire, starts he's, you know, slaughtering, what do they call that? You know, like butchering the cow. Hey. Yells over, we don't know if this is hot, you know, but hey, tell the town there's a barbecue. You're all at welcome. A few hours, this will be ready. Going to have a meal. Do you see the almost stunning nature of the first response to this calling in his life? It's a big deal. You can write this down. In the first six hours of Elisha's calling. That's an estimate, six hours. I don't know how long it takes to butcher, cook. In the first six hours of Elisha's calling, he showed significant signs. That's an understatement of commitment. He did something. He did something big. Let me give you three practical observations. The significant signs of his commitment level. Elisha's response was immediate, if you want to write that in. He did it right away. There's no record of him going and having a three-day prayer about it. I wonder if I should. He doesn't get any advice from anybody else. There comes a time where you just do, you do something. Elisha's response was immediate. His response was public. I don't think he did it to be seen by other people, but just because somebody else was watching. There were the other guys in the field who, you know... Like, I don't care what you, whether you're watching or not watching. I'm going to do this, and whether people are looking, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do this thing. And Elisha's response caused irreversible momentum. That's my way of saying, in case you haven't thought of it, if 
Elisha starts following Elijah, and four days into it, he's a little disappointed because there's a lot of walking involved or whatever. And he thinks, I think I'm going to go back and just be a farmer. Oh, wait. <laughs> I killed my cows, and I don't have a plow. So he's committed. I submit to you, that will get life moving toward your calling. And just in case you think, oh, this is just Bible time stuff. It is not. This stuff still happens. It's when, a, when someone has an encounter with God, you know, a young lady becomes a Christian, and then she, the, ne the next day she breaks up with her boyfriend because she knows this is not a godly relationship. People, and they just do it. Or they change a friendship because they know they need to grow spiritually. Or they decide they're going to take on an extra job because they know they need to be able to have enough money to send their kids to a camp so that their kids can encounter God or to go to a... Right? They just do things for the sacrifice because they know it's part of what they need to do. I've seen this so many times. A uh, 30-year-old man will we'll make a commitment to Christ. He'll get born again. He'll say, I'm going to live my life for God. And then... He'll go, I'm going to get baptized. And people around him will go, baptized? What do you do? You can't get baptized. You're like a 30-year-old guy. Or like his grandma, who he invites to the baptism, will say, I forbid you for getting baptized. You were baptized when you were an infant. And we don't believe that you, right? And the guy has it. He's like, okay, granny, sorry. Wah, wah, I'm getting baptized. Whether you want me to get baptized or not. Those are moments where the God of the universe looks down and says, that's a person who has a committed heart. I'm going to meet them. I'm going to get them to where they're going. Those are defining moments for us. Going to work on our gluttony. And so we start a three-day fast. Stuff like that. People are doing this. So, Bringing it into the room, when was the last time I made a significant change? I don't know that there's anyone I've ever met that has a, a significantly mature relationship with God that doesn't have some of this stuff in their resume. I don't think you get there without making some hard decisions, without acknowledging that was a God moment and making a change. It's just the way this, the kingdom of God works. And the cool thing is it'll work for you, and it'll work for me. Elisha, the, the thing that's special about Elisha is that he just does stuff, <laughs> right? He just does, right? He's not Superman. He just says, okay, and who knows where God can take us if we'll just do some of this stuff in our life. It'll be cool. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.